if you're new to my podcast, welcome. I'm so glad that you're here. As we begin to wrap up this month of July 2023, there's been a theme, if you've noticed, about freedom and independence. And we've discussed various topics on money, women, and manifesting. And it seems only fitting to wrap it up with ways to heal from any shame around money. For in truth, shame of any kind holds us hostage to our situation. And in order to heal from it, we have to set ourselves free from it. And before we deep dive into today's topic, please let me introduce myself. Hi there, my name is Dr. Kelly Ray, and I'm a mindset coach counselor, notably known as the Inner Critic Tamer. And I am super passionate about helping others just like you and me who have gone through some things that we don't necessarily like to talk about, but we know that we want to be better because we know it not only benefits us, but we know that it benefits those around us. And so I'm obsessed with teaching others how to tame their inner critic, that inner childhood conditioning, or as I'd like to say, undo some of that crap that may have happened to you along the way and continue to at times keep you stuck, tripped up, hold you back, keep you from truly living the vibrant life that you are designed to live. And during today's episode, we're going to be talking about six ways to heal from money shame. Look, money shame is a feeling of guilt, inadequacy, or embarrassment due to having either too much or too little money. And during this episode, it's my goal to give you six steps or ways to heal from these feelings of shame when it comes to handling your finances and interaction with money. Why? Why is this so important? And specifically, women. Why is it so important? I said, I think it's important because for centuries, it's always been in the hands of men that tend to handle finances or earning the money. And, you know, women's role have been traditionally to take care of family and the social aspect and all of that. And there's no judgments pro or con against this. This is just historically the way that it has been, at least here in um, Western culture. Maybe some other cultures, it's different. But in our culture, it's been that way. And so it seems to me, as I go around the sun for many years now, I, I realize that there's a deficiency with regards to money and women and specifically talking about it. Aside from, we talk about it from the place of lack or what we don't have or how we can have some really great easy tips on how to stretch a dollar. But how many of us actually sit down and talk about, you know, financial independence or financial independence? Um, that that doesn't seem to be a, a topic of discussion that happens a lot with women. And I think that's kind of been my intention as this month has unfolded is to talk about that. We hear a lot about manifesting, especially in 
you know, uh, maybe spiritual world or the woo-woo world. That's a really top, um, hot topic is manifesting, specifically manifesting wealth. It's really hard to manifest wealth if we don't know what our underlying beliefs are around money and how that impacts us. So I think that's why it's necessary that we have these kind of conversations. And if this episode can help you and it triggers something, not necessarily a bad trigger, but it kind of, you know, uh, gets you to think and consider perhaps maybe this could be something that you could relate to and be of help to get you to maybe switch that up. Because look, I don't think there's any one of us who earnestly wakes up every day and says, oh my gosh, I hope I get to continue financially struggling. None of us do that. But we we need to learn to let go of some things in order to no longer struggle financially. So there are three ways that shame in particular can show up in your life. Shame about who you are. That's considered character shame. Shame about what you do. Behavioral shame. Shame about the world and how the world works or that things should be different. Money shame is often a combination of three types of shame. These three that I just mentioned could be a combination of them. Money shame is primarily about your choices, but it can also be related to who you are and how the world should work. For example, you may feel shame because of overspending or a failure to put enough into the savings. However, since money is so closely tied with your identity, you may feel also shame of who you are because you can't spend maybe as much as other people on maybe an expensive vacation or a a new car, for instance, like you may see other people doing. Money shame can also crop up when you feel guilty for earning money the way you do. For example, you could feel really guilty or have feelings of guilt for easily making a significant amount of money in your network marketing business while your friend or neighbor is a hardworking, good-hearted teacher for first graders and is barely making ends meet. So what causes money shame? The causes of money shame vary from person to person. Money shame can lead to many problems in your life and your relationship with money. It impedes success at work, creates difficulty managing your finances, and causes people to feel like they don't deserve or know how to spend money that they have. Let's explore some specific examples of how money shame can look in your life to help you understand it on a deeper level. Again, these are just some examples. A woman who was well-known in her community for being a successful businesswoman felt ashamed when she found out that one of her employees made more money than she did. She also felt guilty because she hadn't been able to save anything from last year's income yet. A man with chronic illness had a hard time making ends meet because he was unable to work for most of the year and it began impacting him and his credit score. 
He felt guilty about taking financial support that his friends and family were offering because he felt that they were sacrificing too much of themselves to help him out even though he was having a tough time. His difficulty receiving money and help from others made him feel ashamed and embarrassed. Another example, a woman with low self-esteem or confidence tried her best every day to make herself feel more confident and successful like people she had seen on social media. So she would spend money very lavishly on clothing and expensive nights out to feel good about herself. She then felt ashamed because she was spending so much money and feared that she was spending it unwisely. Another example, a woman who came from an immigrant family saved a lot of her income but hid it from everyone she knew. In her home country, wealthy people were a target for gangs, theft, and corruption. She felt like money was dangerous and risky to have, yet also felt as though she was unsafe without a lot of money hidden away. So as you can see, money shame shows up in a variety of ways that are sometimes surprising. So what do you do about money shame when you realize it's a problem for you? The first step to healing is understanding where it comes from. This means unearthing your money beliefs and understanding your money story. Money may make you feel ashamed because of your family's beliefs around wealth or what has happened in your life that made you think having a lot of money would be bad for you. Your childhood experience and extended family views on money directly impact your approach to money. These are called money beliefs or your money story. Essentially, They are your underlying core beliefs about money. Every belief that you've picked up in your life about money or anything else becomes a part of your journey. And healing this type of shame around money can take time, but if done successfully will create massive shifts in the way that you feel about money. So the second step, believe in yourself. The second step here is healing money shame is learning how to believe in yourself. You must have a strong foundation of self-love and a healthy relationship with yourself and your self-worth. Look, and I know this alone could be triggering for people when they hear the word self-love. Somehow many have been conditioned to believe that that's considered self-centeredness, that you're thinking of yourself and loving yourself before anyone else, and maybe you can get labeled as a narcissist. And I'm here to <laughs> redirect that in a sense of, if you if you can't love yourself, how on earth could you possibly take care of yourself in a really healing, healthy way? So it's not selfish to love yourself. It's, in my opinion, essential to to love yourself. In order to give to others, you can only give from the amount of love or nurture or compassion or empathy that you have in your own cup. This is because it's very easy for people in this situation that we're talking about with money 
to feel like they're not good enough if their core belief about themselves is, I'm not worthy, I'm not good enough, I'm not valuable. If your inner dialogue has been dominated by the idea that there's something wrong with you, it's important to work on this so that you can shift your beliefs about deserving to make money. Look, you could be working your tail end off making money, but because you don't feel like you're worthy of it, it's quite possible that you're going to inadvertently, excuse the expression, piss your money away, meaning not keeping track of it, not living with a budget, not working on saving some of it while you're living. You just tend to spend money without even consciously thinking of it. So give yourself a healthy dose of compassion when you make money mistakes. Learn to use your money relationship as a means of personal growth. If no one's ever taught you how to have a budget, then I encourage you to get in touch with me or somebody else who could help you do that. There is, again, no shame in that. It's stuff that's oftentimes either in families or in education system where it's not talking about this with you. They're not having those conversations to teach you. It's just like somehow you're expected to know how to take care of your money any more than you're People don't talk about how to have a relationship. It's just like, well, you know, I saw this boy, I saw this girl, I liked him when we started seeing each other, but we're not talking about how to have a relationship. We're just kind of fumbling along and then wonder why things don't work out and then start pointing the finger of it's everyone else's fault. It's it's not. It's We need to have real conversations about this stuff and, and real tactical ways to to navigate these things that are so important in our lives, like your finances, they should be important to you. They they aren't the end all be all, but what they are is a means to give you more experiences in life. They're a means to provide opportunities to you. They're a means for safety, for your well being. It's it's pretty significant. So It's important that we take some of these steps, if not all of them, and cult a different relationship with our money. So the third step to healing money shame is to learn how to feel comfortable talking about money. I mentioned this kind of in the beginning of this episode about how it seems specifically in the circle of women something that we don't necessarily talk about. Again, aside from maybe position of lack, you know, not having enough to do something. Shame thrives in silence. It thrives when you're unwilling to communicate and connect with others. Money shame can be particularly isolating because most people fear talking about money. And Brene Brown does a phenomenal talk, a TED talk on these very subject matters, and specifically this here. And if you've never listened to Brene or read any of her books, I highly recommend them, as she's done quite a bit of research and studies on human behavior and connection. And she she does it in such a way that is understandable, relatable, and and with some humor in it. That's why it's important to talk about how we're feeling with others who are invested in our success. 
This especially applies to being able to talk to your partner about money if you're in a relationship because this can create a closer intimate relationship that allows you to to trust one another and to be on the same page with one another. It's it's vital to the well-being of the relationship. A healthy, intimate relationship includes being able to have a money conversation with your partner. You must be able to talk to important people in your life, like your maybe your boss. I mean, there's times where you might have to go advocate for yourself for uh, a merit increase. Your family members and your friends and be unhindered by it. It should be conversations that you're having with your children and your grandchildren and and being aware of what your own belief system is, of what is it you're wanting to empower your kids with as opposed to disempowering them. We need to set them up for success and to do that, we have to operate from our own healed belief systems that allow us to help them elevate. I think it's absolutely essential for women to be talking about more openly about this very subject matter, as many of us have been conditioned not to talk about it. In fact, I know many who would openly, unquestionably talk more about their intimacy life than they would ever talk about money, and I find that fascinating. So we do talk about how expensive things are. You know, when we're having our women's circle or conversations, we'll talk about being able to not do things due to money. And we'll even share tips and tricks, again, as I mentioned earlier, on how to be resourceful with a buck. But how often do you hear women talking or how often are you talking about financial freedom, financial independence, and ways to increase your wallet's wealth. It's something to consider and ponder on. So the fourth step to healing money shame is to work on feeling comfortable making money. Although most people want to be financially independent, I'm always surprised at how many people become uncomfortable once they start making more. They will often feel bad for making more than their parents or their best friend. And again, if we're not talking about that, then we assume such, you know. Sometimes people can present a certain way that seems like they're extremely wealthy, but then maybe they're all completely in credit card debt and barely one, you know, cold away from losing it all. But we we all have perceptions, right? There's also the fact of when we have these thoughts and um, feelings around money that we can create a money ceiling where people hold themselves back from earning too much because of this money pattern. Like they have a perception of what they think the max is that they could have and then when they reach that, wonder why they can't go beyond that. Well. Again, that looks down at our beliefs. So in order to combat this, it's important to be able to imagine yourself making money before you begin. 
A good way to start is by tracking your spending for a few weeks and then create a budget that reflects how much you are currently spending in various categories in your life. Then make another budget and see how you'd spend your money if you were making more money to help you feel more comfortable with the idea first. This will allow you to see just how much it would take each month before you have more than enough money. It will also permit you to feel good about the money you make and the money you will make in the future. Because maybe at this point, the thought of making more money would be very, very helpful because of your current situation. However, on the other hand, there may be a concern or worry or maybe even some guilt on your part or shame that... Well, the last time I had extra money, I accidentally, I didn't accidentally, I spent it and therefore I'm in the same situation that I was. And you could be worried about not trusting yourself to make a better decision now. That often keeps us from ever stepping forward is based on a perception that something happened to us in the past as if we've never grown or we've never had the capability of changing. You have the capability to grow. You have the capability to change. What stops that is holding yourself hostage to past experiences, therefore not allowing you to grow. So let's let's look at the fifth step. The fifth step to healing money shame is to work on feeling comfortable receiving money. I can't even begin to tell you if you were to ask people would they prefer to give or receive and I would say 99% of people would say they would rather give than receive. And that's a very interesting concept because that could be potentially keeping us stuck in our money situations as well. So think about this for a second. The step around this whole receiving is the fear of being taken advantage of, that someone will give you too much and then take it away from you. Fear of owing something to someone else. Embarrassment with asking for help. When you feel this way in your relationship to money, receivership can be very, very challenging. It's important to discover how you've been closed to receiving money in your life. And it could be receiving other things in return. Maybe it's help. Maybe it's a ride. Maybe if we're always saying no, then how is it that all of a sudden we're supposed to say yes to more financial resources coming our way? After all, every time you get money, you're receiving money. Whether it's from a job, an inheritance, a side hustle, a refund on something, you're receiving it. Everyone needs help from others sometimes, especially around their finances. Realizing that you're not alone on your money journey can be a powerful experience when it comes to money. Getting comfortable with this process is essential to healing money shame. Just learning to be a better receiver. And again, it's learning to be a receiver maybe in other areas of your life, practicing those before they become second nature, 
then all of a sudden being grateful and gratitude towards your paycheck when it comes on time or, you know, money that comes your way. All right, the sixth step here is in healing the money shame is to create an emergency fund. Money is a powerful tool to protect against many kinds of emergencies. Plus, knowing that you have money in the bank can serve to help you feel more secure around having money. Everyone needs to have access to some money at some time in case anything happens. We just never know, right? You know, my parents taught me at a very early age, take 10% of your paycheck whenever you get that or receive money and put that away. Have I been absolutely faithful since they taught me that? <laughs> no. But I do make it a practice to do it more often than not because here, prior to having my daughter, it was just me. And then I had my daughter and my ex abandoned us when my daughter was six weeks old and therefore I was thrown into, oh my gosh, I now have to be financially responsible for not only myself, but her as well. And so I had to go on a very quick course of how to manage money and now manage a household for two people rather than for myself. And I, it took me to a whole new level of it wasn't necessarily just providing for myself because I always managed to get by, but there was an added um, thought of, I don't ever want to let this little girl down. I don't ever want to not be able to provide for her. So I had to put a system in place. I had to really hone in on having a budget and that budget also included saving money. I think it's important to note that so often we are operating from our belief systems that we created a long time ago, childhood. And the things about beliefs, we rarely ever question what it is that we believe. We just know what we believe. We just operate from that. And I'd like to give you an example of that very thing based on a conversation I had with some friends last night. One of my friends is a teacher, and she was sharing that her and another teacher were, uh, they had a morning session and an afternoon session, and they were taking turns reading a book to younger kids. I believe they were around six years old or something. And, and one of the pictures in the book was a group of little pigs, and one of the pigs happened to have a tattoo on his little forearm or hoof, not his hoof, but you know, his leg but it looked like an arm in the book. One of the kids asked, oh, what's what's that on the pig's arm? And without skipping a beat, the teacher said that he was a bad pig. And my friend said she couldn't believe that she heard the teacher say this to the kids and then later asked her about it. And she said, hey, Mrs. So-and-so, she says, I, I'm a little curious as you were reading to the kids and the one little boy asked you about the tattoo on the pig's arm or hoof or leg why you said that that pig was bad and the other teacher paused for a second and she thought about it and she says oh my gosh she goes I guess because my whole life growing up we were taught that people with tattoos were bad and the interesting part it wasn't until after all of these years later just from this 
little short conversation that she realized she had a specific belief around tattoos and what they represented. And we do this in so many areas of our lives. And money is a big one, in my opinion. For if it weren't, I don't know that so many would struggle so severely with money. And working with money shame memories, it's not from the adult experience where we must understand it to relieve it, but rather from the view of the child that experienced it what they could know about the world at that point in their lives. And as we begin to wrap up this week's episode, I'd like you to consider this phrase for a minute. You don't get what you want. You get what you consent to be true. I want to say that again. You don't get what you want. You get what you consent to be true. Whether you believe money is good or bad, you're right. Whether you believe money is the root of all evil or the avenue towards prosperity, you're right. And whether you believe money is shameful or praiseworthy, you're right. For in truth, your beliefs determine what is true for you. And if you're struggling with something, it's an absolutely perfect time to dig into those beliefs and heal them. And if you found this episode helpful and would like more topics like this or other ones that have to do with mindset matters, that's what I teach here on this platform, I'm going to encourage you to follow this podcast I'm also going to encourage you to share it because you never know who might need this and if you could use a little extra help or would like to work on some of the things that I talk about then I'm going to encourage you to get in touch with me and schedule some time with me I'm going to share ways that you can do that here in just a minute and lastly if you didn't catch this month on freedom, independence, and that, the episodes, I'm going to encourage you to go back and look through all of July and listen to them. And I, my intention, as always, is that you find value from them and can incorporate them into your own day-to-day living. So let me give you some ways that you can connect with me or schedule an appointment with me. I'm on Instagram at Ask Dr. Kelly Ray. It's spelled A-S-K-D-R-K-E-L-L-Y-R-A-E. I'm on Facebook at Dr. Kelly Ray B, B as in brown. I'm on TikTok at Dr. Kelly Ray. My website is drkellyray.com. And my email is drkellyray at gmail.com. Until next week, please know I send you so much love.